Yeah, if uh, you have been sleeping under a rock or on Mars or, um, you know, Rip Van Winkling here, um, obviously we are on, I believe, day 12 of no sports thanks to uh, the COVID-19 global pandemic that is uh, uh, deeply affecting people all across the world right now. Um, obviously, sports are a very, very small part of that, but is, is something that we've all come to love and use in as escape, uh, not having that during um, a time of social distancing and working from home and quarantine and uh, shelter in place it is really tough not to have uh, TCU athletics and March Madness and, and just the normal sports that we turn to to, to kind of keep us distracted. So henceforth, uh, Jamie's idea to, or hence Jamie's idea to, uh, to bring us a bracket of the 64 greatest TCU athletics moments of all time, but mostly of the last 15 years when those of us uh, that write for the site were around for it. So uh, lots of controversial stuff here tonight. Um, I know Anthony and I are both a little bit disappointed by the 16 seed in this region because we thought it should have been a, a different a different moment. So um, as we jump through these one through uh, one through 16 matchups here, we'll probably dive into to some of the things that, that we would have done a little bit differently. So uh, that being said, Anthony... Let's dive in. All right. So number one, uh, the number one seed in this is, is I mean, frankly, probably the number one seed overall. Uh, the immaculate deflection from the Rose Bowl in 2011. That's the moment that Tank Carter leapt up and knocked away a, for whatever reason, pass attempt on a two-point conversion to ensure that the Horn Frogs would come away with the 21-19 victory over Wisconsin. Uh, quite possibly the the greatest victory of TCU athletics in the modern era um, and in one of the most iconic moments in TCU athletics history of all time so uh, that goes up against no more fireworks and if you guys have forgotten that moment uh, it is when TCU played Texas Tech at home uh, beat them 82 to something or another 27 I think uh, and that game, the offense was so prolific that afternoon that then TCU comms guy uh, Drew Martin uh, or uh, ad, ad guy Drew Martin uh, tweeted that TCU had literally run out of fireworks because they had scored so many touchdowns. So, um, Anthony, why don't you give us a little bit of your thoughts on this matchup and, and who you think comes away with the win? All right. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the number one seed, Immaculate Deflection, the Rose Bowl. Um, there'll be a lot more to say as we uh, go through this bracket about this moment. Uh, this is.
Yeah, I was I was in uh, Pasadena as well that day, and and definitely my greatest in person sports moment of my life. Um, and it's gonna I think it's, that one's gonna be a runaway winner, and it's it's hard to see anything upsetting immaculate deflection uh, throughout the tournament. But hey, you know, stranger things have happened. Uh, before we move on to our second matchup, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you thought should have gotten the 16 seed in this region? putting together the final pieces of this bracket. So um, the one that No More Fireworks defeated was the uh, 2010, is that right? 2010 game against Utah. Yes. Uh, the yes. game in Utah where um, Andy Dalton hit Josh Boyce for, for a deep touchdown pass. Uh, Frogs were backed up deep um, in their own end zone this was this was a wild moment where um the utah fans were going crazy this was their blackout game in the the first game uh our tcu's first game back there since our 2008 kind of heartbreaker debacle um and game day was there this was a top five matchup and that play basically ended the game it shut up the entire stadium and um all was silent in Salt Lake. And yeah, I mean, that was, that was one of those, the, the Rose Bowl doesn't happen if TCU doesn't win that game. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of those throughout this, but um, I thought that that particular game deserved some, some more play on, on this bracket, but uh, didn't if shake you wanna, that way. If you want to know how impactful that moment was, Anthony tweeted out uh, a, a clip of that, that moment and had Utah fans responding that they didn't remember that game ever happening and they blocked it from their memory. So this is 10 years ago, and it's still it's one of those moments that you never forget if you're on, on the opposing side either. So, yeah, I was with you. I, I think that a, a uh, the No More Fireworks game was, was great and hilarious and, and awesome, but um, ultimately it was, it was kind of a, a, just a regular season game in, in a really strong season, but that Utah win catapulted TCU to the Rose Bowl that year and uh, was a really important moment. So uh, let's drop down to, I think this one to me might be the toughest call of the entire uh, bracket and in this Patterson region. That is the number two seed, uh, Summer Stop versus Baylor in that 2015 season, and we'll talk a little bit more in depth about that game. And then uh, it goes up against the uh, Josh Paris dunk that seals the NIT title, which was kind of putting TCU basketball back on the map in Jamie Dixon's first year. So, uh, Anthony, what are, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Yeah, and I, I had also had a bit of a, a tweet storm regarding the NIT before the NIT was uh, canceled due to the current situation, but. Uh, as TCU may have been on the bubble for uh, for the NIT this season, there was a lot of pushback of this is this is embarrassing. You know, why do you want to be in the NIT? The NIT silly, blah blah blah. Um, I I don't believe that to be the case. I think uh, the NIT plays a very important role, and I think this season's TCU team would have been well served to play in it. And certainly the uh, the 2017 team that ended up winning the title. Um, was well served playing in it and and winning the title and now 
this play is is Josh Parrish. I think most people are familiar with Brandon Parrish was the kind of uh, heart and soul of that team that year and um, the the primary leader point guard um, and but but this Josh Parrish don't the game was well in hand. TCU was clearly going to win up a insurmountable margin and there were all of the kind of uh, walk-ons and, and end of the bench were on the floor and I guess also Desmond Bain at the time was I guess a freshman on the floor and um, there was a steal and Josh Parrish, Brandon's uh, little brother or older brother, brother, uh, went and had a just a massive dunk and right at the basically at the buzzer the game was over everyone was celebrating crying um, just a culmination of an incredible effort that um, Jamie Dixon and, and crew brought to to TCU to get to that point um, of winning in Madison Square Garden lifting a trophy um, quite a moment that being said um, the the Ty Summers stop in overtime, double overtime against Baylor in the freezing rain, thunder, ice storm. Um, the year after the nightmare in in Waco um, to to take down the the hated Bears is is an all timer. Um, it it probably had a. a solid case for a one seed if uh in in a lesser uh group but given the given the experience and uh, all of that but um it was one of those just releases of a year plus worth of pent-up anger and frustration and just constant twitter snark and all of that that just ended in a moment, and and you know you we've all probably seen the the video and the the gif of Gary Patterson kind of jumping out of his skin at that moment, uh, running onto the field through the rain, uh, coming over to shake a you know defeated hapless Art Bryles coming across the hand, uh, coming across the field. So I, that's it, it's just. Nothing can put a smile on your face more than than taking down Baylor. So, uh, and and in in such an emotional, um, fantastic way, that one that one takes it for me. Yeah, it's it's one of those games where um, even though the stadium only holds forty five thousand people, and even though there were only about six thousand people actually in the stands by the end of that game, that there's about one hundred fifty thousand people that say they were there when it happened. So. Uh, one of those, I'll never forget that entire day was, was just a crazy day for me from the tailgate to the game itself. And um, just uh, that moment is, is one of those legendary things that, that you remember forever. It doesn't matter how consequential or inconsequential the game was, the, the atmosphere, the ambiance, the, just all the other things that played into it, I think make it an all-timer. Um, it's also one of those games I've, I've had the fortune to talk to, to several former TCU players, and if you ask guys on the field 
that day, most of them will say that the only person that cared about winning by the end of it was Gary Patterson. And the, <laughs> the players were, were wet and they were tired. Everything hurt because of the conditions and how cold it was. And that they really could have cared less by the end of, of the second OT. Uh, but that Patterson was so invested. This game was so very important to him that they all kind of dug a little bit deeper and made sure that that they got their coach the win. So um, definitely one of those 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 fun uh, remember where you were kind of moments. And as important as the NIT title was for that particular group, we haven't really seen it carry over into it – di- it didn't build the success that we expected it to at the program yet. Um, I think we're still a year or two away from really seeing the fruits of that. And so uh, one, of, one of the great individual program moments, um, but I, I don't know that it's had quite the, uh, the, the legacy – to this point that 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 Baylor win did. Um, let's jump in here to, to number three, um, and we'll try to we'll try to blaze through these a little bit quicker now. Um, this this is another really tough matchup. You have the Luke and Baker College World Series home run versus Texas Tech. You talk about Twitter beef and fan bases going at each other. Tech and TCU baseball uh, during that that four year College World Series run that the Frogs had uh, really got after each other. You had the Watergate incident, um, uh, all, all the different things that were happening between those two programs. And, and then Luke and Baker uh, had that big moment. And that goes up against the 14 seed, uh, which is Speed Baby, which is one of those moments that kind of announced uh, TCU on the national stage. Do you have, have one of those that you'd like to talk about? And I'll grab the other. Yeah, I'll just, uh, I guess I'll talk about Speed Baby. Um, this is the, for those, I guess, who don't know, the, the Speed Baby press conference is the after the TCU versus Texas Tech uh, game in 2006, um, where TCU won Texas Tech, vaunted Mike Leach offense, scored three points against uh, Gary Patterson. And in the press conference, he's asked uh, something about how how did you how could you possibly stop Texas Tech uh, you know Big Twelve blah 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 and um, he just answered Speed Baby you saw it tonight Speed Baby something like that and it, it was it was a uh, at the moment it was a culmination for him of all the hard work he had put in uh, with TCU to to build that program to the point where um, going up against uh, a Mike Leach Big Twelve offense was was nothing to him and and he. Uh, announced himself on the scene and and TCU and and on the map set up um there there were some setup moments before that but that was the we're here and we're not going anywhere uh kind of moment for TCU football you want to talk about announcing yourself on the scene uh we see that in our number three seat as well and in, in Luke and Baker um the big hulking freshman who seemed larger than life the entire uh, first year he was on campus, uh, hit one of the uh, most resounding shots heard round the Big 12 uh, when he hit a, a three-run home run in the top of the ninth inning to, to put TCU on top of Texas Tech and uh, the, the opening round of the College World Series. Baker is always, for me, going to be one of those what-might-have-been kind of players. Um, had he stayed healthy, had he uh, had, a, had a chance to be the two-way player that we all expected him to be. Um, he's still a, a TCU baseball legend by all accounts. But to think of, of what he could have been had he been able to play full seasons um, as both a pitcher and a hitter, uh, just it brings a slight tear to my eye. Um, so, so setting the stage, it's Omaha. TCU is at the College World Series. Uh, Brian Treglaff, one of the greatest receiver, uh, relievers in TCU baseball history, had just given up uh, the go-ahead run to Tech in the eighth. 
inning and uh, uh, Evan Skaug and um, uh, who was the other guy? Wade, uh, Austin Wade, get on um, ahead of Baker, bringing him up. And there's just, you talk about the hush in the stadium and, and it's Omaha and it's called World Series and it's it's just the, the biggest moment and the dugout is just completely, totally silent. And it's kind of like everybody knows what's going to happen before it even happens. And Baker, who uh, hadn't hit a whole lot of home runs uh, so far that season, but but had, had been just such a, a dangerous person, gets up to plate, watches uh, uh, the ball come in, and just launches a big, loud home run. Um, he, he hit 10 home runs that season six of them coming in the last 12 games all in the postseason and was just on a uh, unbelievable tear through uh, through the the Big 12 championship, the regional, super regionals, and, and on to the College World Series. And TCU ends up defeating Tech 5-3, to three, uh, avenging an, an earlier loss that season and uh, uh, making Texas Tech fans hate us just a little bit more. So uh, a really tough matchup. Um, I, I mean, I – both of those, you know, one of those things where you remember where you were when you heard it. Um, but man, that that Luke and Baker home run, I was I was sitting at home getting ready to to drive to Omaha the next day, and uh, just watching that ball go go over the fence. I was like, dang, okay, let's do this thing. Unfortunately, we all know how that year ended, and we won't talk about that. We'll just remember the good times. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think this matchup, if it were, um, this this could be an upset candidate, except. Uh, that game was in Omaha and not in uh, Lupton or in, yeah. in Lubbock. I think yeah. if this were a regular season game where it was just, oh, we just beat Tech and that's great. Uh, but but doing that in the ninth inning in Omaha against a conference rival, I, that's that's tough to top. All right. Well, I think we have our chance for our first big upset here in our next and our four thirteen matchup. I think the four thirteen and the five twelve. It's always a five twelve. Um, are both a chance for double digit seeds to advance. And so in the four thirteen, I have a feeling I know which one you're going to talk to. I'm going to let you pick though. Uh, the year four seed is the hiring of Jamie Dixon as TCU basketball coach. The 13 seed is Boykins Juke that led to a Dana Holgerson high five. Uh, when TCU and West Virginia played a, a pretty intense night game uh, in Fort Worth a couple seasons ago. I think that was uh, 2015, correct? Yeah, so, I, I mean, for, for me, yeah, you're, you're right. You know what I'm going to talk about. I, I'm, I'm more of a basketball head here, and, and the Jamie Dixon hiring, um, I, I think this one, Maybe maybe some people think this is a close matchup. This to me is a is a runaway for the Jamie Dixon being hiring. Um, I, I think the the state of the TCU basketball program. I think uh, we we've had a lot of conversations about how we're we're a little bit disappointed about to, at, at this point today. Uh, oh, we wish we were you know competing to be in Sweet Sixteens and Final Fours and all of that. Um, that. That doesn't happen if Jamie Dixon is never hired. That that's not that's not really a realistic um, thing that exists for TCU basketball prior prior to him. The world changed for TCU basketball when when he decided to come back uh, to his alma mater. So um, all of the moment for the most part, the moments that we're going to talk about about TCU basketball throughout the rest of this uh, bracket are related to having Jamie Dixon um, as the head coach. So, yeah, for me, that is, that's, a, that's a walk-away winner here. Um, but 
understand that uh, there's there's a very memeable moment from from the Boykin play, but the the program altering uh, just uh, impact to to our expectations and to what is possible for TCU basketball with Jamie Dixon, um, it's another level. And, and here's where I'll come in, and, and I have a feeling that the fans are going to pull the upset here, and, and this is I'm going to play devil's advocate and argue the other side. Uh, the Jamie Dixon hire has put TCU basketball in a position to, to be a competitive program. The problem is, is they're still just kind of in the position. And I have been a huge Jamie Dixon defender. I have, have called this year zero. Um, I think you, me, Parker, have all been kind of on the same page in the fact that you can't really judge Dixon on this season because of all of the things that have transpired to lead to um, what was a, a disappointing for a lot of fans' results. Um, so I'm not, I'm not like trashing Dixon here or basketball. I'm just, I think that when you, when you think of a big highlight, memorable moments. The things that that you tell people about, the things that you're like, oh, I was there for uh, that Boykin Holgo high five is just one of those things that no one had really ever seen before, um, and it was a two perfect people. Um, obviously, Boykin's off the field issues, his struggles since leaving TCU mm. are, are very well documented, and. Um, if people want to abstain for voting for anything he's involved in, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, but if you think of that moment in that time and the person who he was, the 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 guy who had knelt at, at midfield to talk to Abby Faber, um, the the kid with the big smile that had made the highlight plays and and that was beloved by his teammates, uh, it had to be those two guys. It had to be Trayvon Boykin. It had to be Dana Holgerson. Uh, to make that moment happen, and and the play was just unbelievable. It wasn't even a huge gain or anything. But it was just one of those moments where everyone in the stadium just kind of went, "Dang!" Like like that dude's special. He can do things other guys just can't do. And Hogerson dabbed him up, uh, and just kind of in a show of respect of, "Yeah, man, you got me." Like we we know you're gonna kick our butts, and we're okay with it. So. Uh, I think this is going to be a really close one. I, th- I think that because there's a little bit of a sour taste right now in fans' mouths, um, I-, I have a feeling the 13 is going to pull off. But I think you're right. I think long-term, the Jamie Dixon hiring is, is obviously the more impactful moment uh, when you think of TCU Athletics and-, and programs as a whole. All right. That brings us to oh, – man, this is – I'm gonna I'm gonna take the 12 seat on this one and, and talk about that first because um, that's that's one of the most memorable moments I've had covering a TCU event. Um, the Peach Bowl I was I was at that game it was a blast it was amazing. I'll let you talk about the the five seed the double pass. But I'm gonna lead off talking about the Evan Skaug home run versus Missouri State. Um, I love TCU baseball. I've always loved TCU baseball. Uh, there's something really special about being at the ballpark. The first TCU athletics event that I was authorized to photograph um, from a media standpoint was TCU baseball. And so I've kind of felt a special connection to that program. And, and I met so many of the players and the family sitting by the photo well because apparently that's where nervous parents go to watch their kids play. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so I was I was covering that game. I was shooting that game. And um, it just it, nothing had gone TCU's way that day in, in that regional um, and, it, and it just didn't seem like it was going to be their game uh, and that they were they were going to fall and and, uh, and fall behind in that bracket and Evan Skaug is is one of the most uh, legendary and likable and and just just overwhelmingly beloved uh, TCU athletes of, of all time at least in modern era and when he came up for that, he came up in that position, um, hit that that three run home run, um, put TCU. I think it was three run home run, put TCU on top. Um, 
ultimately helping them knock out uh, Missouri State and, and send them back to, to a Super Regional and then to the College World Series. Um, his It wasn't just the hit. It wasn't just the moment. It wasn't just what that win meant. But it was his reaction, and I am just taking pictures furiously as he's jumping up in the air, as he runs over to to the dugout, as he celebrates Brian Howard's face. Uh, the reaction that you get from from uh, Brian is is just epic. Uh, it was kind of one of those like, why do we love baseball moments? And the fact that everything changed on one single pitch, and it was my favorite celebration that I've seen in TCU baseball of all time. Yeah, I I, uh, I look forward to seeing all of those photos again in uh, in the posts for this. I I, I think this is a very uh, upset uh, prone five seed here from the Peach Bowl. Um, I think so. Just just to hit on uh, the five seed is the the Peach Bowl double pass, which is the uh, the opening touchdown in in the 2014 season Peach Bowl. So. Uh, Another one I was in the building to see, and it was this was one of those where, like the the 2009 Fiesta Bowl, where we and the frogs and everyone had the opportunity to kind of feel deflated and just feel like uh, we've been snubbed over again, and we're in this we've had this crazy season, and it's all come to oh, it's just the Peach Bowl, um, and. That's not the way that the team came out. So opening with interception and then right off uh, hitting this this trickeration, uh, listen B to Aaron Green, just an absolute dime right in the bucket um, in Aaron Green's lap in the end zone to 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 just get this Peach Bowl started. Of uh, you know we're playing Ole Miss SEC. There's a lot of um, you know, kind of animosity or expectation that, oh, SEC is this, this big bad beast and we're little TCU and uh, to, to go in and start it off that way. And obviously the way that game went, um, those, those Rebel fans were hitting Coca-Cola factory by halftime. They were, they were <laughs> done in Atlanta. They, they, the, game was, the game was over early and TCU was clearly the better team and, and put on quite a show. And there were many moments out of this game that we could have we could have selected to put in this spot but just to to open it up with that we're not here to mess around um we're we're going to take this by the collar and and take you over um you know with interception in the first drive right to a trick play touchdown and it just kept snowballing from there uh, and and don't forget tim great. tebow making the call as it was happening, like as the play was developing and the, the snap goes back and going, oh, that's a touchdown before the before we even knew it was a, a double pass. Yeah, it was a just yeah, just a really, really great moment. But I think I think there's a reason that Jamie made this one the five twelve matchup uh, for, for sure, because it is pretty, pretty much ripe for an upset. And as I got a little distracted because I went back and found those photos and um, just reliving that that moment again. I think I think this one's going to be scoggy in a runaway here. All right, so let's move on now to the number six seed. This is a really, really tough matchup. Um, we have another basketball versus football uh, matchup here. The Jamie Dixon buzzer beater versus Texas in 1986. 
uh, and the versus the helmetless Brock block, which I and I have to be really careful. How I say that, um, which I believe happened against Utah at home. If I am, it was remembering SMU. That. SMU. It was SMU. It was SMU. Shoot, I can't remember which one it is. Um, why don't you? You want to talk about that one for us, and I'll, I'll talk about Dixon since you've been yeah, basketball heavy. I'll I'll talk about the yeah about the Brock block. I I uh, I think I put this in. Uh, nominated this one as the curly touch. Rock block. Another one of those. Another one of those what might have been moments uh, for sure with Tanner Brock, who also left TCU football in a, uh, we'll call it a blaze of glory. Um, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, and so this one goes up against uh, Jamie Dixon, who had um, a very, very memorable moment against University of Texas. Um, TC was trailing 54-53 with about five seconds left to go in the game. Uh, Dixon takes the inbounds class, runs down, shoots about a 35-40 footer uh, to beat Texas. I think at that point it was the first time that TCU had beaten Texas in the Southwest Conference as a member in basketball, um, or, or or they or they that was the the shot that clinched the Southwest Conference a share of the Southwest Conference title. Um, it, it was a, a really, really big moment um, for TCU. Anytime you beat Texas when you're TCU is, is always obviously a huge deal. Um, the Southwest Conference, uh, TCU basketball had not had a whole lot of success um, at, at really in, any level. Um, and Jamie Dixon came in and, and from Southern California and really helped change fortune of that program and, and wasn't a super duper star his whole career but but had some of those big moments including um knocking off the longhorns as time expired at home so uh i I think which which direction you think people are going to go in this one i think um i think it's going to lean towards the the dixon play i think it's a one of the defining plays of tcu basketball prior to jamie dixon Mm -hmm. being the coach 
So I, th- I think mm-hmm. it'll lean that way. Um, you know, it's it's before my time. So, I, you know, for me, the the curly punt return Tanner Brock play resonates to me because I was there for it and, and it sure. mattered uh, to me. But knowing at that time to, to win the Southwest Conference, to beat Texas um, in, in those days, it was it was quite an achievement and obviously at, at, at the buzzer, I think it'll be very interesting uh, to see how that shakes out. I'm sure if we uh, surveyed votes by age, that, that, that might split things up. But uh, yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think it'll be a close matchup there. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think prior to Dixie being hired as the coach, um, the only other real positive thing I think of when I think of TCU basketball is that 1997 team um, that, that made the tourney the last time they had made the tourney before they did uh, 20 years later. But that, that Jamie Dixon shot really resonated and, and defined the program for so much of, of TCU's basketball history that um, I think I think the, uh, the older fan base will jump in and make sure that 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 one wins. Um, so we're down to our last two matchups here. I am uh, very excited about our 7-10 matchup. Um, this is going to be another tough one. Uh, these are two of my favorite moments as a TCU football fan. Um, I, I very vividly remember watching both. I will take the seven seed um, because I was actually a student back in 1998 because old. Um, and uh, that Sun Bowl victory was uh, when I first really fell in love with TCU football. Um, everybody by this point knows the story. Um, in 1997, uh, TCU goes one in 10. Our only victory beating was beating SMU, which was in, still in the throes of the death penalty or just coming out of the death penalty um, at home. And so not that exciting of a win, but when it's the only game you win, uh, that, that uh, ends up being pretty memorable. Um, and then Dennis Francione comes in, takes over the program, uh, has a young defensive coordinator by the name of Gary Patterson uh, on his staff. He uh, recruits some guy named Ladanian Tomlinson out of Waco that nobody, or he didn't recruit him. He, he, he uh, got him kind of into the lineup, but he really rode uh, Basil Mitchell, who, who was a really outstanding and underappreciated running back at the time. Uh, TCU had one of the biggest turnarounds in college football. Uh, they go on to uh, make their first bowl appearance in years, and they're facing off with USC, which is just on the cusp of kind of growing into their decade of dominance with a very young freshman quarterback named Carson Palmer and a uh, young coach named Pete Carroll, um, both of whom would go on to do really, really great things um, with the Trojans and beyond. So uh, TC rolls into El Paso for the Sun Bowl, which at the time was um, a a much more uh, well thought of bowl than I think it is now. It is still one of the best bowl game experiences. Um, People will tell you that the hospitality is, is amazing out in El Paso. Um, but uh, the frogs went in and out physicaled the Trojans. They they beat them up. They they ran all over them. They played great defense. They completely stifled the the USC offense. And the Trojans had really taken for granted that they were going to have an easy an easy go of things in this bowl game. And TCU came out of nowhere, out of the whack, and. Uh, just kind of put it on them. And so uh, we use the Basil Mitchell touchdown, um, kind of the, the clinching touchdown there is our moment. But I think you could really just go with that bull win um, was kind of the, the foundational block, the keystone for the, what's become, you know, 25 years of, of great success here under uh, Francione and then, of course, Gary Patterson for the bulk of it. So celebrated the Sun Bowl team last year, um, had some 
really great interviews with folks. Um, got to got to remember some of the some of those big moments, but um, it was the launching point for um, for all the great things that have come since uh, 1998 in TCU football. Yeah, I think that that is the the early version of the 14 seed speed baby of that that's that's the first step in the uh, in the path forward to to getting to the the TCU that was competing for you know BCS and college football playoff uh, standing. So yeah, I mean that's a, a historic moment that uh, can't can't be denied. Um, to talk about the the Josh Boyce play against Boise State, um, obviously uh, Boise State. So that season had joined the Mountain West. Uh, there was a lot of kind of uproar that Boise had been given uh, this game as a home game in Boise. Um, I remember that at, at the time as being kind of a big deal, and their concession in that was that they would not wear the blue jerseys for conference games at their, their home field to, to blend in with their blue field. Um, but <laughs> uh, this, this 2011 season... Uh, had so much promise, um, and Casey Paul Hall had was was really pretty incredible all season. Um, and there had just been there had been a couple heartbreakers uh, to open the season and in Waco against Baylor and RG three kind of uh, diced up, almost ended Jason Verrett's career and all of that. Yep, the Jason Brett game. I'll never <laughs> and then forget the, that. The, then the SMU game uh, at at home was just just a just a disaster, and, and it looked like uh, we could have been heading to to another one here. And and at this point, Boise had become the rival to TCU. TCU and and Boise really were competing for the same ground in in every way. A um, couple of poinsettia bowls that were were contentious and, and closely played. Obviously, the Fiesta Bowl, that was a, a disappointment for us. Um, and then it, leading to this game in Boise, uh, and really just an incredibly played game, one of those where you can go back and, and watch the game. Now that we don't have sports to watch, I suggest finding it somewhere and, and watching it start to finish. It's It's really... Um, a fantastic game, and and the the last few minutes um, of TCU scoring and this two point conversion, uh, which is which is a play we later saw um, against West Virginia that may come up later or maybe got can't booted off of the bracket. I'm not sure, but basically the same play where where Josh Boyce uh, takes a little little rollout to the uh, the front pylon and and catches a two point conversion pass to and and it's the the Gary Patterson theory of when you're on the road you want to you want to bury the the enemy you want to cut off the head and and really uh, put an end to the game where uh, obviously you could just kick an extra point and play for play for the next overtime or whatever or you can you can hit that two point conversion and. And close the game, and 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 actually, in retrospect, it did not close the game. Um, the ensuing kickoff was sent out of bounds uh, by 
you know, uh, Ross Evans, and was uh, straight out of bounds. And there's there's a classic uh, clip that cuts to to Casey Paulha as that happens, but. Um, and Boise just drives it down the field and sets up for what would be the game-winning field goal following this play. And uh, luckily for, for TCU for the second year in a row, the Boise kickers uh, didn't live up to the moment and, and gave TCU the game, missing the, the last-second field goal. But this play was one of those just explosions of elation um i I know a lot of people went uh traveled out to boise for that experience for that game uh, and it it was just one of those all-timers uh to be there in person for this um and and just kind of exercising that those boise demons that we we had had since the fiesta bowl yeah, it was it was a great game to watch. Um, you're absolutely right on that. It's worth rewatching. I had just moved back to Texas um, that spring, and and it was my first TCU football season back in in town. And I almost went up for the game, and I, I elected not to, and I'll forever regret it. But I just remember feeling like when they went down, and scored that touchdown, going, "Man, there's no way Gary Patterson's not going to go for two here. Like that's not his mo. That's not his thing." And then I remembered. On the road, he always says, on the road, he's going to go for two. And I just thought it was such a ballsy play in that moment. Um, and to see it work out like that and to see the Boise State, poor Boise State kickers. Thank you guys so Thank much, you. Boise State kickers. What a run. What a run they had for us. Um, yeah, that, that's a that's going to be a really a really interesting vote to see how those come down. Um, but, but yeah, that, that Boise State win, I think, for TCU fans of a, of a certain generation, that, that one is one of those that, that means a lot to us, even though it was just a regular season game. Um, all right, that brings us to our final matchup. I'll, I'll let you take the pick here. Uh, we have a football-baseball matchup once again. Um, we have the Aaron Schultz home run that knocked off uh, Texas to send TCU to their first College World Series against the Tyler Luttrell force fumble versus Utah in 09. Um, when the Frogs just absolutely hammered the Utes at home um, in, in one of the, uh, the, the most uh, electric, in front of one of those electric crowds that, that fans will tell you they've ever seen um, at Amon G. Carter Stadium. So I'll, I'll let you take the pick here on which yeah, one you I'll, want to talk I'll about. pick the nine seed, the football, Tyler Luttrell fumble, uh, forced fumble on the, that kickoff return uh, against Utah. So... I, I mean, this this game itself and the, the whole day, again, is just one of those that it at, at the time it felt like such a culmination uh, of, of what was being built by Gary Patterson and, and TCU. So, you know, game day on campus in the morning and, and the Eamon Carter just filled to the brim with, with just crazed Horn Frog fans, and and I was a student and got to the stadium super early to get my uh, my 50 yard line four rows up spot uh, there, and it was just so much excitement and and really uh, also nervous energy, a, a lot of uh, anxiety. Um, obviously, the year before uh, TCU in Utah. Uh, had had the opportunity and really for for the entire year had uh, kind of been living in in the shadows of this Utah team that uh, went on to win the Sugar Bowl and beat Alabama and Nick Saban and all of that based on their 
kind of TCU's bungling of that game in Salt Lake the year prior. So there was a lot of uh, kind of pent-up anxiety, even though this, this TCU team was so primed uh, to be so excellent. And um, all of that kind of nervous energy just exploded out of Tyler Luttrell at, at that moment of, of this fumble recovery. So um, I guess to, to set it up, this was early in the first quarter. TCU had just scored a touchdown and was kicking off. And the kickoff was kind of short, and Utah player kind of tries to leap over one of his own blockers that had fallen down and just gets lit up, just gets exploded, and the ball goes flying out and is recovered by TCU. And um, the, the moment of the hit... Uh, watching back on, on the replays since, it's so loud. The hit itself is so loud, and the stadium just erupts. It's, it's, really, it's really one of those moments that is, although, frankly, in the, in the course of the game, ended up not meaning that much um, because our good friend Ross Evans, once again, kicked, kicked, it, uh, kicked it wide left there following this fumble. But... Um, so, so no points, no points as a result of this play. Uh, so nothing really happened, but it was just a, it was a release and and an explosion of excitement out of that stadium that I'm not sure had had really happened uh, prior to that. And in that way, it was it was just such a moment. I, and and really, so because there were no points off of this, I think. Uh, this was a moment that was added. I think there were many, many moments. Uh, a lot of Jerry Hughes moments out of this game. Um, my personal moment from this game is the the Tank Carter interception return for a touchdown early in the second quarter. Mm. The game is then officially over, it, well before halftime. It's it puts TCU up 35 to seven, and it's it's just. It's over at that point, and, and Tank Carter had, had kind of taken the soul there. But uh, I guess we, we had enough Tank Carter moments. Um, and, but, but this one, yeah, the, the hit, the, just the noise, the emotion, the elation from the crowd, um, it's pretty wonderful. Probably a top five tackle of the Gary Patterson era. I think that that's safe to say. Top five tackle. If you yeah. want to, you know, yeah. really distill it down to individual plays. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're right. I think there were bigger moments in that game. Um, but but ultimately, that is one of those that that everybody kind of just remembers that sound that just accompanied that the the sound of the hit and the sound of the crowd reaction. And so I think that makes it a worthy worthy contender. Um, it will take on in that region the number eight seed. Uh, which is Aaron Schultz's home run against Texas. Um, TCU had, had gotten knocked out of the Super Regionals by the Longhorns in 2009. Uh, they ended up facing uh, Texas again in the uh, – I think, I think they were – maybe it was in the regional round in 2009. But they ended up facing them in the Supers in 2010, uh, once again down in Austin. And uh, TCU was a really, really good baseball team. The program had really been building to this kind of crescendo. And, and in 2010, everything just seemed to work. Um, not a hugely powerful team, not a, not a big home run team. But, man, they, they pitched lights out. 
they played great defense, and then they had a couple of superstars um, across the field too. And so uh, down in Austin, they they jump out to a one nothing lead in the series. The the Horns come back and win game two, and so it's a, a pivotal game three um, that that sets up a, a, with a trip to Omaha on the on the line. And uh, Aaron Schultz comes in. The the Frogs were. Uh, down in in the moment, he ends up hitting um, a, a two run home run um, to to give him a little bit of a breathing room, and they end up. Um, they, sorry, it was a was a one run. It was a uh, a one nothing lead um, for for TCU. Schultz hits the two run home run. They end up winning four one overall and going to their first College World Series. A um, couple of really important things that happened in that first trip to Omaha. Um, obviously, getting over the hump and making a trip to Omaha sets up the the ensuing four year four straight year run um, that that happens a couple years later. Also, uh, TCU becomes kind of the darling of Omaha, and people just fall in love with the Frogs and the Frog fans. And uh, still to this day, probably most most people from that area will tell you it's one of the, their favorite programs to that comes uh, that when they make it one of their favorite programs to have welcoming. And then, of course, gives us uh, a moment that we'll see later in our bracket, which is the uh, the Matt Curry Grand Slam against Florida State. So um, Aaron Schultz wasn't wasn't a, a big superstar for the Frogs. He's, he's not a guy that many people heard a lot of. Um, had one year where he hit nine home runs, but um, wasn't a, a big power guy throughout his career, uh, but but definitely had one of the, the biggest um, playoff home runs of the, the early Jim Schlossnagel era and sent TC to Omaha for the first time. So I think that's a pretty – a pretty critical moment, and I have a feeling that that one will uh, will take the W. So, in that pivotal eight nine matchup, um, well, that was fun. Uh, there's there's a lot of really good memories. It's it's great to have some sports to talk about um, in this this time of uh, non sports land, and and to relive some of the the great moments from TCU's history. So, I think the Patterson region is is going to be really exciting for people, and I'm I'm interested to see how the votes come out. Yes, very much look forward to it. I think there's a very clear favorite that uh, probably before you even thought of putting into a bracket, you probably make the favorite to be the top moment in of, of any TCU sports. Uh, but yeah, a lot, of, a lot of excitement here. And really, it's just, just a fun time to go down memory lane and, and remember all the, yeah. all the great times we've had together. Yeah, we and we've got four really strong number one seeds, and I think we we led with the uh, the overall number one, but we're still going to uh, we're going to hear from uh, Durbin Feltman uh, in the next bracket. Also, Matt Curry we just talked about has the number one seed and the final number one, which I think is the the best challenger to the uh, immaculate deflection, which is uh, TCU joining the Big 12 officially. So it'll be fun to play those out. Um, we will be back uh, with the next region, which is the Schlossnagel region, uh, to talk about those matchups and uh, have that out for you guys later this week. Well, for uh, Anthony North, I'm Melissa Treepwasser. Thanks for, for joining us tonight, and we look forward to bringing you more of these moments and uh, talking about the rest of the bracket throughout the week. Cool. All right. Um, I will go ahead and...